Keeping Democracy Alive with Bert Cohen. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. So yes, there's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. That people don't feel that they can do very much. You know what this is? This is a very Hamiltonian system. Alexander Hamilton being the guy here in a very un-Jeffersonian. In the case of the Republicans, it's dramatically the opposite. Uh, But even in the case of the Democrats. An absolute typhoon of terror against African Americans in the South. America's fascists are those people who think that Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. We're only seeing as a financial sector that's uh, gotten out of hand. The shooting, the violence, that is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. And the dignity of man. We're all dignified. That was Lyndon Johnson, of course, and I know that uh, a lot of the words that came out of the Republican candidate uh, did not dignify people. Wow. If you're like me, the day after the victory of President-elect Donald Trump, and I can't believe I'm even saying those words, I was in a state of shock. I haven't gotten over it, not at all. And it was like that V8 commercial. Wow, I could have had Bernie Sanders. Where do we go from here? Is democracy finished? With both houses of Congress now in Republicans' hands, along with the executive... Will Trump become a successful authoritarian dictator? We have no checks and balances on his power. Equally important, possibly more important, what of the Democratic Party? Will the captains go down with the ship, as I think uh, they should? There were a lot of losses. As Russ Feingold said after his loss in Wisconsin, something is happening in our country and... I don't understand it completely. I don't think anybody does. But we as Americans have to do the best we can to deal with the pain in this country and get people to come together. Mark Longabaugh was a senior strategist and media advisor for Bernie Sanders. Wonderful, amazing, inspiring 2016 presidential campaign. Could you tell I was a supporter? I still am a big supporter of Bernie Sanders. Mark Longabaugh has over 25 years of experience in politics and media prior to becoming a partner at Divine Mulvey Longabaugh. Mark founded and was partner in Wild Bunch Media. Love that name. He has written ads that have won seven Polly Awards. Those are some prestigious awards, as well as produced uh, ad campaigns that have helped win over a dozen House and Senate campaigns. Mark has served in leadership roles at two national environmental groups and had roles in several other presidential campaigns, including I met him in 1988 in the Dick Gephardt campaign, also worked on Michael Dukakis' campaign, Bill Clinton and Bill Bradley. And I believe he was co-producer of those great, wonderful, inspiring Bernie Sanders TV ads. Thank you so much for being with us uh, today. Yeah, no, glad to be here. Well... We we got to look at some of the reasons why this all happened. How uh, how significant? I mean, I can't believe that that many Americans are really hateful. I mean, let's face it. You know, there was a lot of hate spilled out 
from Donald Trump's mouth against immigrants, Muslims, blacks, people with different abilities. How significant was the sentiment that people wanted to just crush what was perceived as the establishment as compared to that George C. Wallace spirit that we saw in 68 and 72? I, I, I really, I have to believe that people really wanted to, to just kick out the establishment and the institutional powers that have been. I, you know, I agree with you. I mean, and I think the, the, the fundamental issue here is that uh, the American people had two choices, um, neither of which one they liked very much. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, the overriding uh, issue, when you look at the, the, the battleground states that really swung the presidency, whether it was Wisconsin, Michigan, yeah. Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Florida, the, all of those states uh, over the last eight, ten years, decade, uh, have, you know, have those, uh, you know, the economy has been a, a real rough, rough spot for them. And I think there's just a, a tremendous amount of anger. We saw this in Bernie Sanders' campaign. One of the things that drove our campaign was one of Bernie's basic themes, which is, look, the economy is rigged. And people looked at what happened in the Wall Street crash, where the, the, the very individuals who had wrecked our economy got bailed out with taxpayer dollars, they then took home hundreds of millions of dollars in bonuses, you know, as p- people perceived it, their own tax dollars paying these guys for having wrecked their economy. They get bailed out. But the rest of the economy, uh, the rest of individuals, whether, whether their house was underwater or they lost their job, they just were there to suffer. And so, uh, you know, I think uh, Trump dr- dramatically tapped into that, into that um, just anger that was out there about the econ- you know the way in which elites had run the run the country and 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 the economy, and um, and you know uh, when when faced with a choice between you know Hillary Clinton who for a variety of reasons they just didn't care for uh, and Donald Trump and and his his clear racist you know misogynistic you know comments he at least had a message that they that they that they, that they resonated with and and they broke his way I mean. Uh, that's clearly, what I think happened. Clearly they did. And I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, there's going to be analysis of the data for many, many days, if not weeks or months ahead, that Hillary was, was counting on, and I was frankly hopeful for, and as a Democrat, yes, I went from supporting Bernie Sanders to what he did. He said from the very beginning that he would support the nominee, as did I. Uh, I didn't think she was as strong as, as Bernie, and I, I certainly don't. But that she was expecting that Hispanic voters, for example, would break her way a lot, considering how, you know, with the racist things that Donald Trump said. But what, apparently what was found was just what you were talking about, Mark Long, about that the economy went by them. The recovery went by them. It didn't help them so much. And people often vote, you know, with their pocketbook issues or their wallets. Uh, so, and I think that, you know, may have been the case with uh, African-Americans as well. Now, my sense is, back in the 1990s, something changed in the Democratic Party. It seemed that with the Democratic Leadership Council, which was headed by Bill Clinton and others, I believe, that they abandoned working Americans, labor and middle-income people. They had no place to go. I, I didn't see Hillary Clinton speaking very directly to that. Uh, how, what happened with this? When did the Democrats lose touch? I think Bernie 
is a is a correction to that. But what do you make of this uh, possibility that the Democrats turn their backs on the base of the party, the working people? Well, I mean, I think there were a variety of things that happened. I mean, I, I think uh, what Bill Clinton and the Democrats did through a period of the '90s was was try and try and moderate and move themselves to the middle as much as as much as it is abandoned working class folk. Um, you know, but I, but I look. I think there's a battle ahead inside of the Democratic Party. Um, uh, that's going right. to, you know, there, there's going to be a wrestling for the core of the party, and and I think you know Bernie Sanders, the folks that supported Bernie Sanders in this campaign, clearly want to see uh, a much more progressive agenda from the Democratic Party and its candidates, and and um, I think they're going to win out. I mean, I, I just I think you look at this election. Um, you know, I mean, this sounds self-serving for me to say because I was a Bernie supporter like you, obviously, um, worked on the campaign. I don't think we would have lost Wisconsin. We wouldn't have lost Michigan. We carried both of those states in the primary. I don't think we would have lost Ohio, and I don't think we would have lost Pennsylvania um, because we had an economic argument to make to those voters about how we were going to make their lives better. Um, you know, whether it was a, a $15 an hour minimum living mm-hmm. wage that we were going to fight for, fight against trade treaties that 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 that, that ship jobs overseas. Um, you know, the, the even even issues like the idea of free um, public college tuition, uh, so that every individual can get an education to be able to be competitive in, in today's economy. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, I, I think would have would have been a been a, a better appeal to the voters that we lost in this campaign, and and I think, um, like I say, I think I think the Democratic Party is going to have a big big debate about those issues in the next few years. No, I I believe they will. If you just tuned in to Keeping Democracy Alive, Bert Cohen here, your host, your somewhat saddened and shocked host here. We're speaking with uh, Mark Longabaugh, who was a key person with the uh, Bernie Sanders national campaign, an amazing campaign. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as you talk, I, I spoke with a, uh, a head of a union this morning who was saying basically what you're saying here, we got to take this back, that the party just abandoned its base. And I remember, as do you, the Reagan Democrats that Somehow, this was back in 1980, that, that we Democrats kind of lost a lot of the, uh, the, the Democrats. And I wonder if we've done that again. You know, I don't, I don't know how many of them were social conservatives as, as the Reagan Democrats were. I'm not sure that's the case now. But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I just wonder why we chose not to connect. My sense is that and again, back to the DLC, the Democratic Leadership Council, it seemed to me a conscious and very clear decision that given the fact that it takes so much money to run for president, hundreds of millions of dollars, why not go where the big money is? And where's the big money? The wealthy people have the big money that they can give the big contributions. Isn't that easier? I can't imagine anybody back then thinking $27? (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, but but Bernie uh, changed that. What, am I? What's your sense of that? You're much more. Of well, a- I think I think uh, Bert, you've put your finger on uh, one of the one of the most profound um, uh, shifts in the Democratic Party that we saw in this in this election that that Bernie Sanders helped bring about, which is the the uh, sort of balance of power. Uh, in terms of money inside of the party, I think has dramatically shifted away from Wall Street and major donors and special interests towards the grassroots of the party, a progressive grassroots that that clearly 
you know, Bernie ended up uh, receiving eight million contributions over the course of his campaign at twenty-seven dollars wow. uh, 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 a pop. We raised two hundred and twenty-five million dollars and and raised more money. I mean, think about this now. We raised more money than any Republican candidate, including Jeb Bush, including Cruz. Uh, obviously, Trump was funding his own campaign yeah. to some degree in the primary and throughout. Uh, but every one of them uh, in the primary process, we, we outraised by over 50 or $75 million. And, and we're fully competitive with Hillary Clinton. So I think you've seen a, a real uh, fundamental shift uh, in, in, in that front. And, and I think, uh, as you saw with Bernie's candidacy, uh, it, it does two things. One, it becomes part of his message. Right? Look, I'm not beholden to the special interests. I'm not beholden to Wall Street. Um, and therefore, I'm going to pursue policies uh, that are for the people. Uh, and I and I think that it becomes a compelling argument, um, as as well as uh, and, and you know um, um, still being able to be be competitive in the campaign. So, but but let me let me circle back to one thing though. In fairness, um, you got to remember back in the 1990s there was there there was not uh, this this wonderful thing we call the internet uh, that allowed contributors on a mass basis to contribute in the same way as easily. So I think technology has really advantaged us in, in progress, for progressives and our ability to be able to mobilize a mass base. That's a very good point, actually, because they certainly didn't have that now. And it was kind of fun to watch the dollars streaming in. I mean, it was just like a flood every time, you know, Bernie made a request. There was some little... Well, my favorite moment that you, you, you must remember was, is... was right there in New Hampshire, uh, the night of the New Hampshire primary after we, we, we had won. Big. Bernie, I forget exactly the line, but he said, uh, uh, "You know, I'm, I'm, you know, my campaign. I don't have the, have the big donors, uh, but I'm going to hold a fundraiser right here, right now. Uh, contribute, you know, go to berniesanders.com and contribute. Um, and I think we raised three and a half million dollars, four million dollars uh, within a couple hours of that uh, that that moment. So that was Bernie's fundraiser." That's four million dollar fundraiser. That was amazing. That was so inspiring, and I can imagine the others, the people who had you know just looked to the one percent, were they must have been dumbfounded that this could happen. And you're right. Maybe I mean the internet has changed everything, and maybe it you know actually helped democracy. Dare I say that you know it can be uh, a factor, and you know rather than concentrating and centralizing the power over the internet. We still have, you know, the they're required, at least under the current court, to not have special privileges for uh, the powers with big money, you know, faster speeds. No, right. they have to have it equally. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, net equality. That's right. still a factor. I remember in 2004, and of course I've been a Democrat all my life, which is now getting to be a fairly long time. Uh, <laughs> uh, in 2004, John Kerry was just not Bush. He was not Bush. Hillary, this time, was not Trump. My sense is that the focus of her campaign was Trump, Trump, Trump. Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad. Yeah. What, talk to us about that aspect of it. Was, was she defined? I mean, well, Kerry, Kerry was not look, defined. I, you know, at some level, I, you know, it, it's... It, you know, uh, as somebody who helped manage Bernie's campaign, um, uh, you know, I don't want to be overly critical of the right. Clinton campaign in defeat here. Um, but, but, but look, I, every campaign makes a set of decisions. You sort of make a bet in mm. terms of, you know, the allocation of the, the resources that you have, the time that you have, your schedule, 
all of those kinds of things. Um, you know, in retrospect, clearly, I think the the Clinton people, even themselves, when they when they you know have a chance to clear their heads, will admit that they made some mistakes. And I I think if they had it to do over again, um, I, I think they might have rethought. Um, you know, the the overwhelming focus that they had in the final days of the campaign, just you know, criticizing Donald Trump and pointing out, um, you know, what a what a despicable character he is at some some level. I think voters knew that, and mm. and uh, and I think what what they what they should have been doing uh, is making a better case for as you know as I've talked about yeah. how Hillary Clinton was going to uh, make make the lives of of middle and working class folk a lot better through the policies that she articulated. I mean, she had a she you know look we wrote one of the most progressive platforms in the history. I, I one of we wrote the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. And there was so many good things in there to run on, oh, yeah. uh, and I and I think uh, had she had she focused on on some of those items like like education and jobs and uh, you know the, the the battle against climate change. I mean, I, there 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 were a lot of arguments I think she could have made um, for herself um, that 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 I that I think would have would have done her better. Yeah, I think so, too. People don't just vote against. I mean, they do vote against, but they also vote for. And I happen to think you're right. I mean, there's always been differences within the Democratic Party since I've been participating as to, oh, do we go with the center and try to offend the fewest people? Or do we really stand up for something, for our traditional principles, which I think Bernie did, and that's why he, he caught fire so much. Well, I also think there was one of the things. I mean, I talk to people about this all the time. I mean, I, I <laughs> you know, I uh, that you know, voters don't look at each candidate and go down a list of checklists of, of issues, right. you know, and match up with the candidate they agree with most on all of those issues. Oh, sure. That's just not the the thought process of most voters. I mean, voters get a feel for candidates, um, both both their characters, the way they conduct their campaigns, and yes, the issues that they talk about. But I think one of the things that, that was appealing uh, to people about Bernie, they didn't agree with him on everything. I mean, look, you, you, you may not agree with the idea that, uh, that we should have free college tuition. A lot of people think, well, you know, that's, you know, um, it was out that, there. we can't afford that. Or, you know, my, my nephew is a, is a ne'er-do-well. Why, would the, why, would, why should the taxpayers pay, you know, pay for him to waste his time at college? He's not going to study. Uh, you, you, could, you could disagree with him, Bernie, on that uh, issue in its particulars. But I think what people appreciated about Bernie is he gave a full-throated agenda, and he threw it on the table and said, this is what I believe, yeah. right? These are my ideas. They're affirmative. They will make this country better. I want to move the country forward, right? He kind of had a can-do attitude, and that was mm. aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you come to the table and say, well, wow, you know, like, I don't know if we can afford this or we can't afford that, or you hedge your sales here, you, you, you come off as a can't-do candidate. And um, so I, I think I think voters are always looking for a candidate who talks about the future, uh, and they perceive to be honest and have integrity about the ideas that they're putting on the table. Uh, and yeah. I, I think that worked for Bernie, and, and I, I think it works for candidates uh, in, in general. Authenticity. You know, people here in New Hampshire, we, we have this amazing ability, and, and I talk to people from the rest of the country, and they can't believe, like, if you don't meet every presidential candidate, you know, within your party, you must be hiding under a rock. I mean, they're just <laughs> there for us. They're, you know, but we specifically here, because we have such retail politics, we get to meet them, to look them in the eye and to get a sense of who they are. People have asked me, I can't tell you how often people have said, 
why what's with the young people why are young people just worked on just love bernie i'm you know okay it was partially the the tuition you know i mean there's a tremendous amount of debt that these kids face which just is mind-boggling i don't think that was entirely it I don't really know what the answer. What, what can you say about why young people just love Bernie so much? Well, I, again, I think it gets back to this, to sort of this, this aspirational sort of can-do kind of kind of thing. I mean, he had he had a set of progressive ideas that was going to move the the, 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 the the country forward, and I, I think young people identified with that. I mean, they, you know, you know, Burton, you and I have known each other for a lot of years now, and we're we're in a different place in our lives than than than, than those young people, right? That's for and, sure. Yeah. They look to the future that they're going to inherit, and they they just I just think they responded to a candidate who who was addressing the big issues that they're concerned about: education, the affordability of education, the climate. I mean, a lot of people miss this. I mean, you know, the environment and, and climate tends to tends to fall. You know, we we there was not a single question in any of the not, presidential debates about climate. I, I will tell you right now in our our work with young people and, and our research, it's one of the most important issues to them. Because they understand that the world that they're going to inherit, they don't want it to burn up before they get there, you know. And and so you know, Bernie had you know from his his announcement all the way through, as you remember, oh, yeah. the first trip we did to New Hampshire, which you introduced him in in, in Portsmouth, I believe. Yes, I did. Um, it was quite an honor. You know, if you remember that 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 initial speech, you know, he would have done a long segment on what he was going to do on climate, and we were going to address this existential threat that they, that we face to the, to, to the planet, and. Um, so I, I think, you know, he, he spoke to a lot of the issues that, that young people are concerned about, the economy, uh, education, the environment. Uh, you know, and he also talked about issues that, I, that, that, that young people, uh, again, I think the millennial generation is, we're going to find is a much more progressive and open-minded yes. uh, generation. Uh, you know, on issues like uh, LGBT rights, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. on, on issues like uh, criminal justice reform, issue, issues that young people confront every day, and they, they just don't, they, they, look at, they look at the older generation and they go like, well, what, marriage equality? Like, isn't that a given? Like, yeah, really, I know. Right? And, and so, like on a whole social issue agenda, I, I think Bernie was always in sync with young people, too, so... And I do think, you know, aside from the issues, climate change, I think, was huge. And it was amazing to me how, as you say, not it was never mentioned the debate at all. You know, and I think Hillary pretty much stayed away from it. And now, unfortunately, with this guy, we're going to move away from yeah. correcting well, I think it. It's, for, for, for me, it's, you know, as, as somebody, as you mentioned in the introduction, I've, I've spent over a decade of my life, uh, you know, uh, working in the environmental community and fighting for uh, to protect the environment, I, it's one of the things you know that that concerns me greatly is that um, yeah. you know President Obama has made maybe not as much right. progress as we would have liked, but but he has uh, uh, made made progress and 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 you know the, the clean energy rule I, I think is on in, is in jeopardy once uh, Trump takes office, yeah. um, along with a whole host of other things. You know, yeah, we may be burning more coal and just Ab- you know, absolutely, absolutely. I I wonder. I mean. You know, a lot of the working people who have felt like they were left behind by the Democratic Party, they weren't talking to them. We need jobs, okay? You know, okay, the economy's gotten somewhat better. It's missed a lot of people. One of the things I I loved about Bernie was talking about uh, creating jobs, rebuilding our infrastructure. It seems to me that's something that people want. You know, the Republicans, traditionalists can call that, oh, big government like FDR had. I don't know. It seems to me people would like that. And Trump has talked about 
creating new jobs. Do you have any sense of uh, how's he going <laughs> to well, do it? Tr- trickle down? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, one of the things that was astonishing to me about Trump's candidacy was the way in which he got off with, with nothing but platitudes and, and, and vague vague right. uh, promises. I mean, like he's going to build a wall. Really? Exactly. How are you going to build this wall? It's like, not going to happen. Like, you're going to make the, me- the Mexican government pay for it. Nonsense. You know what I mean? It's like, it just at some level, there was an absurdity to his to his candidacy that that you know is it makes you very nervous uh, as he is about to take power uh, because that you, you you know you just don't stomp your foot in the in the <laughs> office and, and and you know make things happen. So, but I will say one thing, just to try and put a little positive note on it. I, I actually think one of the things that Trump did talk about was was infrastructure. Yeah, that's uh, what I was wondering about rebuilding the country. I mean, you know, he's. You know, whatever you think about him, I mean, he has been a builder through much of it, his entire uh, life. True. Um, that could be a place where, where where Democrats and Republicans actually could come together a little bit early early in uh, his administration. Um, and I, and I, I would not be surprised to see, you know, progressives like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren um, uh, be willing to work with him on that if he was willing to put together a massive infrastructure bill that would rebuild our bridges and ridges and our oh, airports yeah. and... and lay broadband uh, throughout the country, all of those kinds of things that would create millions of jobs. And so, you know, Bernie had a specific plan on that on that front to, to create $15 million and spend over a billion dollars uh, on infrastructure improvements. I think if Trump comes to the table with something like that, you know, I, I think Democrats could work with him. I think there'd be a tremendous amount of support for that. One of the other potential positives of, of Trump, quite frankly, one of the, maybe not a lot of people cared about foreign policy, but I care a lot about foreign policy, you know, coming from the Vietnam generation, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the MSNBC, this I think was very interesting. The MSNBC correspondent in Moscow said that the Russian people were reacting ecstatically to Trump's victory. <laughs> they viewed him as the peace candidate. Let's face it, Hillary was exceedingly hawkish. In my memory, yeah. she was the most hawkish Democrat since Scoop Jackson in 1972. Maybe there's others, yeah. but my memory is not perfect. <laughs> but, you know, her, her saying a no-fly zone over Syria, Russia flies over there all the time. I, I maybe, maybe Trump's foreign policy will be more sensible than, than her exceedingly hawkish foreign policy. Maybe that's something a lot of people could get behind. I, I don't really have a sense of this. What do you think, Mark? I mean, I don't really have a sense of it either. I mean, it, it, it is both one of the places, you know, it is one of the places that, that I think worries a lot of people, uh, right, um, that, that, that Trump is going to be in command during, during a, a foreign policy crisis of some sort. And, yeah. and is, is he up to and is he stable enough to be able to lead the country through something like that? So on that front, it worries me. Um, yeah. Obviously, look, I mean, if he, you know, if, if he were to uh, extricate the, you know, the country from... Um, you know, you know, conflict overseas. I mean, I, I, I know myself personally. I, I would, <laughs> I would be glad to see us get get out of um, sort of a militaristic pro- approach to to trying to solve problems in the Middle East. Yes. Oh, I couldn't agree more. If you just tuned in, keeping democracy alive is the show. Bert Cohen, I'm your host, and our guest today. I'm very pleased to have Mark Longabaugh, senior strategist, media advisor for the Bernie Sanders 2016 presidential campaign. And I love, Bernie took some criticism at the very first debate, which was scheduled rather badly, like all of them were, (laughs) Uh, when when, uh, there was a question about the emails, and and Bernie said, 
enough about your damned emails. This continued on and on and on. Yeah. How, what do you think of, how much of a, of a factor in the election do you think this whole email stuff was? And you Well, know, I, you know, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, I think, I think you have to say it was significant. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it was something that, unfortunately, the Clinton campaign could just never get out of the news and right. off never, the table. And, um, and, you know, all the way to uh, my own personal view is that blaming, you know, Comey for the for the for the defeat is is not not accurate and not not productive. Um, no, no, but no. but look, I mean, it, it the fact that that the email you know thing lasted all the way up until the end of the campaign, mm. it just wasn't a good thing for Clinton. And uh, you know, and um, you know, Bernie's point in that campaign in in that debate and um, was that look. Um, we should be debating the issues about where we want to take the take take this country and what we're going to do for the American people. Uh, investigations they take their own course, and there are people who are going to investigate this, look at this, and you know they'll make the they'll make the proper decisions. It was sort of an animation uh, of the the, the the news media to, to stop with the sort of scandal coverage, uh, and unfortunately that just just not the way our process works today. Unfortunately, the, the media just is drawn like moths to 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 easily uh, describable controversies like that, <laughs> rather than digging into exactly where the candidates do stand on on climate change. You know, what we exactly you know what is Hillary Clinton's plan to you know uh, build millions of new solar panels and, and revitalize the, the the energy grid and the, the way in which we uh, you know to create a renewable energy uh, uh, um, uh, economy. Right, we we just had no conversation about that, but we had ad nauseum conversations about emails. So I think you know, as we we look back on this election, um, I think all of us in in on the political side and in the news media need to take a good hard look at the way we we um, way we conduct our campaigns. And the whole thing about the media, I found it. I mean, it's always fascinating what gets said about the media. Uh, Donald Trump was. Anytime there was something he didn't like, he'd say, oh, the media, the media, they're all in bed with Hillary Clinton. I think, of course, that's ridiculous. And, and they didn't like the truth. But you and I remember when, you know, we had Walter Cronkite, for example. We had something called investigative journalism. Yeah. But now my sense was that, that, that the mainstream media, they, they were, I think they were guided by worrying about upsetting their advertisers. And when, when Trump talked about, you know, oh, we got these ratings, we got these ratings, that seems to be driving them, and the media is not doing their job. Thomas Jefferson talked about how important, yeah. you know, a free media was. I don't see any uh, hope for changing on that, except, you know, part of the appeal for Bernie was, you know, outside the mainstream media with the whole... Uh, this uh, internets, as uh, George Bush called it, that, what's your, what's your sense of you know the role of the media in all this? I mean, they made Donald Trump. He all of a sudden, out of seventeen you know, candidates, they just created this guy because it was good for ratings. Your yeah. sense on this, Mark? I, you know, I don't know. I've thought a lot about this and talked to my colleagues uh, here um, uh, a lot about that uh, over the course of the campaign because you know um, you and I do go back to the nineteen eighties, or at least that's when we originally met. 
in a presidential campaign there in New Hampshire. And yes, indeed. The news media was dra- drastically different back then. I, I I tell people that you know running Dick Kephart's campaign back in those days, if mm-hmm. if we held an event, uh, and back in those days, you, just the intensity of the campaign was completely different, as you remember no, too. I mean, true. it's gotten so gargantuan and so big in 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 New Hampshire and and Iowa. But in those days, you know, if we took a trip to, you know, Keene, New Hampshire, and we had a little house party with 30 or 40 people, and the Keene Sentinel showed up to cover the, cover the event, we were high-fiving all around, because that was great news coverage back in those days. And we got a story in the Keene Sentinel the next day. Yeah. But there was no cable, you know, folks following us. There were no trackers with us. There were, you know, like the hordes that followed Bernie from the day we stepped into the state, that very first trip, again, that, that, oh that you helped us with. That's amazing. Um, you know there there was you know there was a media van right and 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 so the the number of outlets today has exponentially expanded and that that has has made for a very cacophonous kind of conversation uh out there you know on the internet and twitter and the cable news channels and you know the cable channels are just you know, because they they're they're on constantly all day long. They're just is you know there's just time to fill in all of this mm-hmm. analysis and chew, rather than substantive you know coverage and investigative journalism like you talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but at good the same time, I must say, you know, sort of the barriers have come down. Like in the old days, you know, there were a set of gatekeepers, and if the gatekeepers didn't decide to cover you, you got no coverage. That's not true anymore. You know. Um, you can go straight to the people today with with social media and 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 the the multitude of outlets that we have today. Hmm. So I don't know. You, you kind of take the good with the bad, and the times the times times have changed, and some for the good, some for the bad. Yeah, you know, so thinking about gatekeepers, you reminded me a, a good friend of mine, a Republican presidential uh, consultant, uh, worked on the George Pataki campaign. Zero talk about gatekeepers. They the media decided. Nope, yeah. he's not real. He, yeah. you know, among the Republicans, he was fairly sane. I thought, you know, but yeah. they, they just well, I think they, they had a challenge on the other side that was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, was problematic for them too, and par- partly led to led to Trump in some ways, right? Which is the fact that they had twenty some candidates in the yeah. field. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that that fragmented the uh, Republican vote and allowed allowed Trump in, in some of these contests early on to win win plurality victories that, and they they, they could just never never mobilize an opposition to him. Yeah, you're right. He was he was media. He was uh, you know, he he sold uh, advertising. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think the media, I think the cable the cable networks are going to come in come in for some criticism after this election is over. I don't know, mm. you, know you cannot say that that's the case. I mean, when you put Donald Trump on and allow him to advertise for his stakes and his hotels and his golf courses and, you know, just cover him wall to wall, you know, um, for an hour while yeah. he just pontificates and 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 delivers nothing. Um, but they, but look, they put him on for a reason, right? Which is they are a commercial enterprise. Absolutely. Um, and Trump was ratings. <laughs> and, Trump was uh, ratings. You, know, you, you referenced the fact that Trump would even talk about it himself. Um, he because he's, it. you know, somewhat of a very cynical character about it. But, but he understood the media. He did. Uh, and, um, he won. And they were, <laughs> they, they made calculated decisions whether it was good, whether it was good for the country or good for democracy or not. It was good for their ratings. And so they put him on. That's what did it. I want to focus a little bit on the DNC. You know, it's funny. If, 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 uh, a few months ago, sore spot with me, frankly. Huh? A sort? Oh well, yes. Well, I was I was one of Bernie's one of one of the jobs that I handled for Bernie during the course of the campaign was was working with the DNC. I was the liaison to the DNC. Ooh, and, um, so that must have been interesting. 
you know, well, uh, it, it, the, the, the emails have certainly been interesting. You mean the which emails? The ones uh, that well, both both the ones that WikiLeaks released and uh, of course Podestas. Well, yeah, and that's what I wanted to find out about. And, and you know, a couple months ago, I was thinking, well, what's the Republican Party going to do? Are they going to be a complete war with one another? Now they're in complete dominance. The DNC, you know, I've I've I like the expression a captain goes down with his or her ship. Uh, the did, did the DNC? There's a lot of still controversy on this the term rigging. I mean, the economy, Bernie talked about the economy was rigged for the 1%. Absolutely. I don't think there's any question that is reality. But what about the DNC tampering? A lot of people say, look, they didn't rig the election. They didn't tamper with the process. They didn't manipulate the process. What's the truth on that? Well, you know, I saw I saw Ed Rendell, former chairman of the party and former former governor of Pennsylvania on television just the other night, uh, respond to this. And, and he sort of he sort of made a joke about it. He said, you know, listen, I've been the chair of the DNC. Uh, I was actually surprised to hear him say this. And, and he said, listen, uh, the DNC hardly has, a, has, has an ability to, uh, uh, you know, uh, c- convince the, the, the guy who mops the floors to, to which way to vote. Uh, it's completely <laughs> ineffectual. There's, not, there's no there there. Um, and, uh, and I think he kind of missed the point, um, which is I, I, I think... One of the things that you saw that the DNC kind of represented was uh, a decision across the board among among elites and, and leaders inside the Democratic Party to put their finger on the scales, whether it was um, members of organized labor, whether it was environmental groups, whether it was, you know, uh, you know Senate leaders, uh, uh, elected officials across the board, right? Ways in which um, uh, the, the, the party just decided... Uh, that they were going to operate as if Hillary Clinton was going to be the nominee before the vo- the voters had had their say. Absolutely. And um, and and so, look, you you can't you can't look at what happened at the DNC and say that they did anything other than were, were biased from the very beginning towards Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, the, the the debates that you referenced earlier. Look, there's there are emails out there that are that are for public view of where the Clinton campaign actually wrote. Um, you know, wrote a memo to the DNC basically telling them how they wanted the debates to be. And you have officials from the DNC uh, in those emails, you know, responding. And uh, lo and behold, if you look at that memo that was written, that's the way the debates unfolded. Mm. I mean, the evidence is there. I mean, it's, it's pretty, as clear as can be. Um, you, you know, and um, so were they rigged? Well, I don't know if they were rigged. I mean, right. They were clearly constructed to the benefit of, of Hillary Clinton, yeah. um, you know, and the whole debate process was outrageous. I mean, you know, Saturday night debates oh. were ridiculous. Um, the idea that we weren't going to have a debate uh, the week before the New Hampshire primary, which, as you know, we know, has always historically been the case. Always. Um, um, you know, wasn't originally scheduled. Um, it came about at the last minute only because Hillary Clinton wanted that debate because she was desperate because we were about to crush her by 22 points in New Hampshire. That was a um, thing of So out of the blue, the DNC then decided they were going to add a debate. Well, wait a second. At the beginning of the debate process, you told us these were the debates we were going to compete in, and if we competed in any other debates, you wouldn't allow us in any future debates. But, you know, so, you know, it was, you know, it was... It was clear that, that there were officials and people at the DNC who had their finger on the scales, and they were they were working in cohort 
or you know, in in league with with the Clinton campaign. I mean, uh, wait, how how out of the ordinary is this? I you know, I'm not in the DNC. But do they genuinely normally remain neutral among candidates? My sense is they do. Well, no, of course. I mean, uh, you know, the Democratic National Committee, any committee. I mean, look, I want to uh, give some praise to uh, the, the, your, your chair right there in New Hampshire. I thought oh, Buckley uh, was a model of, of neutrality and, yes. and even-handedness throughout Absolutely. the course of the, of, of, of the primary. Um, uh, that was not the case in Iowa. That was not the case in Nevada, oh, wow. uh, where you had chairs that were actively, actively uh, hmm. undermining, trying to undermine Bernie's campaign or promote Hillary Clinton's campaign. Hmm. Um, and that is out of the ordinary. Yeah, party officials, uh, you know, a, a chair of a party, the Democratic National Committee, those those institutions need to remain <laughs> neutral in the course of a primary contest. Um, you know, so hmm. it was it was unprecedented. Um, yeah. in, in terms of, of the behavior of the DNC. Well, I will say this. I will back up just a little bit. Sure. There have been periods where, let, let's, let's take Carter Kennedy in 1980, no, where sure. you had an <laughs> president where That's the DNC true. would take a different posture. Yeah. But in terms of it, without, a, without an incumbent president right. for the DNC to take a position, um, you know, whether the staff or the, or the chairwoman, uh, it's just unprecedented. Yeah, it's it's really ugly, and of course Debbie Wasserman Schultz is out of power now. But woo, she is not a popular person here for sure. And uh, you know, she just she just slanted it. And part of the I think problem is the general general widespread perception of the eventual nominee as entitled that it was her turn. It was her turn. She ran in two thousand eight. She lost. You know, in a democracy, I don't think it's anybody's turn. And but she was I, I think that was a big problem with the perception of her that she felt entitled to it. She was above the process. That doesn't work. So what happens with the DNC now? I, I, again, well, as as you as you might remember, um, uh, the the you know the rules committee uh, of the of the of the national committee at the convention um, passed a resolution to create a a uh, commission uh, that will go into effect next year. Um, and uh, the the charter of that 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 uh, commission is to look at the nominating process and and advocate for a set of reforms, um, and uh, to uh, look at the functioning of the DNC and recommend recommend improvements in in the way in which the DNC operates. So I think that's going to be a very important commission for uh, the future of the uh, of the DNC and the Democratic Party. Um, I think it's especially going to be uh, impactful um, uh, in the sense that we. You know, unfortunately, because Hillary Clinton did not succeed uh, in winning the presidency, uh, we are not going to have. You know, there is not going to be a, a a White House party leader, um, and so I think I think that that commission is going to be, you know, uh, doubly important. Well, and as you just described, all of a sudden there's a vacuum of power. You know, it's just yeah. not there. I mean, there's Donna Brazil there currently. Well, that's going to be another, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, battle for the ideas and direction of the Democratic Party, I, I think the, the, the next chair, the, the campaign for the next chair could, could very well be, um, you know, could be a central battle that'll, that'll be very interesting for the, for the direction and future of the party. Uh, because, yeah. as you say, Donna Brazil is, is temporary. I think she's done a very nice job this fall, even though she's, you know, taken, as you always do in that job, some criticism. Oh, um, yeah. I think she's done a good job of riding the ship after Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, stepped aside. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens. I frankly, in all sincerity, I would like to see New Hampshire's party chair Ray Buckley. I think he would do a terrific job as national. I I I would be very high on Ray. I mean, I you know I say that personally. I'm I'm not speaking for obviously you know Bernie Sanders and and his folk will speak for themselves. But um, you know, I'm a big fan of Ray 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 Buckley. I think he would do a good job. So is this an opportunity? I sense that it is uh, for progressives, for traditional liberals like me. I think like you to regain the party to take it back is is this an opportunity and okay there's this commission i wonder what the processes may be that people who were not pleased with how they put the finger on the scale is there a way that you know we can struggle for the soul of the democratic party and you know make this happen and and perhaps Perhaps, I mean, I've, I've heard some people on the left say that, well, maybe the best thing is if Trump wins. I mean, I still, no, 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 not going to go there. But that this is an opportunity for the traditional wing to, you know, what, what Paul Wellstone first called the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party. No, I, I, I was a huge, huge fan of Paul Wellstone. Uh, me too. It's sad we lost yeah. him too oh, early. Terrible. Um, is yeah, this- absolutely. I, I think... Uh, um, uh, you know, I, I I do think it's it. This is a moment where um, you know. Look, I think the Democratic Party has moved to the left. Um, I also think that um, just in, just in a in a broad broad sense. But but I also think one of the things that was was significant that you saw in this campaign was the, the movement of the millennial generation and younger voters inside of the so inside of the primaries. Yes. Um, and and I think those voters tend to be more progressive. They uh, are going to continue to, you know, they are now, the millennial generation is now the largest cohort inside of the population of the United States. Hmm. Uh, and they are only going to get more influential and more powerful uh, inside of the country and inside of the Democratic Party. So I think the party's moving to the left, and, and I think there's going to be, there's going to be a battle about, um, um, you know, reasserting a, a, a more progressive uh, agenda for the party. And, um hmm. Well, as as someone I'm sure you know as well, I used to know him back in 1976 in the Fred Harris campaign. Jim Hightower, remember Fred Harris? Probably not. <laughs> but uh, I, I do remember Fred Harris. I mean, I was I was I, I, still in grade school at the time, I think. But um, but, but I do remember. Him. I was only 25. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, one of the things he said was, you know, in Texas, there's only two things in the middle of the road: yellow stripes and dead armadillos. We got to take a side. <laughs> We have to t- being in the middle of the road. You know, some Democrats think, "Oh, that's the way we got to go." Middle of the road. I don't buy it. All right, what's next for Bernie? You know, we were so hoping that if Hillary won, he would. Yeah, it's unfortunate that uh, he won't have a committee chairmanship um, yeah, because the no, Democrats would not take back the Senate. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, you know. Look, I I think uh, he's preparing to introduce a, a whole set of progressive. Uh, pieces of legislation, uh, things that he talked about over the course of the campaign, and I think he is going to continue to be every bit the champion for for working and middle class folk that he that he has always been. And um, I think he's he's uh, you know I I think he's I think he's geared geared up and 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 ready to look to the future. And I actually think that he and Elizabeth Warren are going to are going to mm-hmm. form a pretty formidable uh, team in the United States Senate. And and I think. Uh, um, in in some ways, their their influence now is going to be more important for the party, yes. uh, obviously, than it would have been, um, you know, had had 
Secretary Clinton won. Oh, that's a good point. Um, so I think I think Bernie. I, I mean, I look hmm. at Bernie as being one of our champions that that you know very much could could help us stop some very bad things in a Trump administration. Well, of course, now that he has you know, there's no checks and balances. But is he is Trump as as right wing driven as the you know congressional Republicans in, both in the Senate? And the House, I I am not sure of that. Maybe he's slightly to the left of them. <laughs> well, you know, if you go back and just listen to what he said over the course of the campaign, I mean, on some things he is. So, you know, I and but again, this is one of the things we talked about early on. Um, he's been so vague on so many things. It it is really hard to know where where he stands, yeah. and um, we're just going to have to wait and see, I guess. Well, there's always, uh, you know, the pendulum swings. There's the midterms coming up. We all remember the uh, midterms of 1994 after uh, Bill Clinton got elected. He took a drubbing, and that's when the right uh, came up there. What's your sense of this? It must be good for business for your outfit, for your uh, uh, group there. Well, um well, look, I, I, you know, that the the off-year elections for incumbent presidents usually favor the other party. That's just a, there's right. just a historic and natural tendency to that. Right. But I don't think that the Democratic Party should get too. It shouldn't be sanguine about just yeah. the fact that that's automatically <laughs> going to happen. I mean, yeah. I think we need to go. We need to seriously look at, you know, um, the the kind of candidates that we're recruiting for office and and the agenda that we're putting forth to the to to the American people and. And if we don't uh, put forth candidates, you know, of of, of better quality, um, and and candidates who can articulate a you know a forward-looking, uh, you know, agenda that actually offers the American public something, uh, you know, we could have a very bad off-year set of elections. And you know, look, our party is in one of the worst in in my lifetime. I uh, theoretically, I basically could argue it's. It's in the worst shape that's ever been in my lifetime. Up and down the up and down the the, the ballot. Um, you yes. know, we we don't hold the Senate, we don't hold the House. You know, we we are in a minority of of of, of governorships and state houses. Uh, we're in a minority of of state legislators. Um, I mean, we're, we're you know, frankly, we're in a bad way. Uh, the bench is thin, and uh, there's a lot of rebuilding to do. Boy, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, my, my dad used to say that sometimes, sometimes the office makes the man, or woman, I suppose. I wonder, I mean, Trump can't possibly, could he, be as, you know, uh, crazy and brash as he, as he has been? You know, I just, I don't know how much uh, that may be. I mean, he's clearly tremendously self-absorbed, always has been. Yeah, I, 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 do you think he is genuinely interested in bringing the country together? I, I, I just, Bert, I don't know, even know how to answer that question. I <laughs> yeah. mean, he, he, he is, he is, uh, he is one of the most uh, enigmatic. Yeah, and you know, and I, and I think your 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 phrase that he's self-absorbed. I mean, I don't think you could you could say anything, but I mean, this, this guy uh, is all about Trump all of the time. So. I hope your father's adage is is actually correct, and uh, the office does does somewhat make this individual into into a better man. Um, but I but I you know I don't think we should be you know naive or let our guard down. I mean um, you know we're going to have to be vigilant. Uh, you know we do have a democracy and we do have a democratic voice to be able to to be able to speak. And um, um, I, I I think we're gonna we're gonna have to hold him 
hold him hold his feet to the fire. Um, yes. I also think you're going to have to watch out for a couple other things that that I think could be very bad. Uh, uh, you know, controversially, I mean. He still has a lawsuit that he that he's going to have to deal with, oh, you know, right. vis-a-vis Trump University, which is which is coming up next year. Um, there are still allegate the allegations that were that were leveled at him throughout the course of the campaign um, from women who who uh, testified that he had abused them. Um, and um, I, I, you know, my guess would be that some of those are going to uh, some of those folks are going to file file suit against him. Um, so you know, we have some choppy water ahead. And it's not like Pence is anything terrific either. I mean, I watched him in the debate uh, with Kane, and I thought, does this guy have a white robe hanging in his closet? You know, I mean, he's he's really. We, you know, I think he could be more dangerous uh, than than Trump Trump could be. But uh, you know, we we still don't know how we lost so many people. I mean, white, and we talk about the sexual assault that that Trump apparently really likes to do. I mean, it is sexual assault. White women, from what I heard, voted fifty-two percent for Trump. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I may not have. Yeah, the f- I think it gets back to where we started started your program today, which is I, I think I think a lot of voters, you know, just felt that that you know more so than than Hillary Clinton, uh, he spoke to what 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 you know, to an anger that they had and yeah. to, to a perception that they had, that, that, that they, they just wanted Washington to change. They felt forgotten and, and, and pushed aside, right. and they felt the system wasn't working for them, and uh, yeah. they, they picked the individual that they, they thought was going to go, go shake it up. And, um, and I think Bernie spoke to those people as well, what Roosevelt called the forgotten man. You know, we still... Uh, and women, yeah, exactly, here, you know, right? And... Um, uh, so, yeah, I. It's about the economy once again. I think you know, creating jobs. For no, to, to, totally. I mean, that, that that is that is you know, my, if you if you want my, one of my central analyses of what happened in this campaign is Please. that that the public just uh, there are people hurting in this country, yes. and uh, they look at their economic futures and they see nothing but despair. And uh, you know the, the the good jobs that they once had are gone. Yeah. Uh, they're worried about the futures of their children and being able to get them educations. You know they're worried about you know health. I mean you know and they should se- seriously be worried about health care now if, oh, if 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 Trump is going to re- 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 you know no they're going to do Obamacare. It. Yeah. But I but but you know they had serious serious concerns and and I and I I'm just I just think it's unfortunate that we as Democrats couldn't couldn't address those concerns uh, in a way that 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 uh, produced a Democratic White House. Well, I think we could have. I think we had a terrific, amazing, one of the best candidates I've ever seen in my lifetime, probably the best, Bernie Sanders. He touched on those issues. I I mean, I can't prove it, but I think he would have won. I do think he would have won. I think because he touched those issues. He touched the anger, the frustration that people felt, and our nominee didn't do that. Well, thank you so much. I I should let you know, I'm going to go out with a little bit of music from... One of the best political TV ads I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know what I'm going to play. Oh, yeah, well, thank you very much. That was a just a fabulous ad that moved people yeah. to tears. You must have really. Did you know how good an ad it was when you when you did it? Well, one of the things I want to say about that that it was uh, you know inside of our firm, you know, we have three 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 partners here, right, and right. usually we all take take a lead on particular. So particular ads, uh-huh. although we all work on everything together and and and, and give each other uh, feedback on everything that we work on, that truly was an ad that all three of us worked on. No kidding. Together, 
it, it, it was originally my idea to create an ad using a song by Paul Simon, but I had the wrong song, and my partner Julian came oh. up came up with the song that you're about to play as an alternative. Uh, he and I shot a lot of the footage. Our, our partner Tad. Uh. Did, did a great deal of the editing on it, and uh, we went. Did the gestation of the ad was was almost uh, two or three months. Hmm. We started it way way back in the fall before before we played it in Iowa and New Hampshire at the end. No kidding. And um, oh, it's it just one of those kinds of things that in a creative process it just kind of came together. It was just one of those magic moments. And and I also want to say that it never would happen uh, if you didn't have a candidate like Bernie Sanders who created a movement like he did. I mean, all we basically did was would show the uh, the movement that, that, that he was creating. That's one of the things in, in the business that I do about making ads. You, you, you can't make great ads if, if you don't have something to say and you don't have a great candidate. So uh, we had both. We did. We still do. I have a lot of hope for uh, Bernie in the future. He's, he's still there. He's still going to be fighting for us. Mark Longabout, thank you so much. What a no, great show. You bet. You bet. Good talking to you, Bert. Great show. We all remember this. What a great, great ad that was. Here we go. Jersey turned back, they've all come to look for a man. 